This is Novel Marketing, the show for novelists who aren't necessarily fond of marketing, but still want to become best-selling authors. Episode 167. I'm James L. Rubart, but please call me Jim. I'm Thomas Sumstadt Jr. And in this episode, we're going to talk to you guys about the right way to use Facebook to sell more of your books and to promote your books. Last week, as you know, we talked about why Facebook is overrated for book marketing, but we did not say it's completely useless. So today we're going to talk about the ways Facebook can work for you to promote and sell your books. But Thomas, we had some reaction from uh, on the Facebook uh, Novel Marketing Podcast group. And for those who might not have listened to episode 166, it might make sense to do just a real quick recap on way we, why we say Facebook is overrated. That's right. So quick recap, and then we'll get to your questions, because this was one of our more controversial episodes uh, in recent times, especially the people on Facebook did not appreciate us, uh, appreciate us ragging on Facebook. So quick recap. <laughs> uh, the reason why we think Facebook is overrated is because you don't want to become a digital peasant farmer by sharecropping and building your platform on somebody else's land. Uh, it reaches people in the wrong state of mind. Uh, Facebook hides your content from 96% of your fans. Um, uh, you could be doing something else that's more valuable with your time. So it's not about comparing Facebook to doing nothing. It's about comparing Facebook to the next best thing, whatever the next best thing is for you specifically. And uh, you're competing with multi-million dollar shadow organizations that will outspend you and out-optimize you. So it's a quick recap of the last episode. Uh, but I wanted to get to some of the questions people brought up in the Facebook group. And I should say, if you're not a part of the Novel Marketing Facebook group, you're really missing out because we have some great discussion there. And nine times out of 10, we respond. When we respond, we respond in the Facebook group. We don't do it on the podcast. But some of these questions were so important, uh, we thought it would be good to bring it up in the podcast. And the first podcast, the question is, I'm an introvert. You know, I'd rather kill myself than give talks in public or make the effort to talk to people to arrange talks in public. So Thomas, what do you say to that? So that's fine. Public speaking isn't for every author. The key to good marketing is to play to your strengths and finding out what those strengths are. So if you're not a good public speaker and you're not wanting to learn, this may not work well for you. I will say it's one of the most effective tools though. So you're setting aside an effective tool with this self-talk. And I will say, believe it or not, the best public speakers are actually introverts. Extroverted people tend to have a lower ceiling in how good of public speakers they can become because they're so comfortable on stage. That comfort causes them to get less education, less training, and to do less practice. So your really excellent public speakers, believe it or not, are often introverted and I am introverted. So don't, I encourage a lot of authors use that as a badge and as a, like a get out of jail free card. It's like, Oh, you don't have to do anything that's uncomfortable as long as you're an introvert. It's like, no, sometimes to be successful in life, you have to do things that are uncomfortable. Uh, that said, it does mean you have to do public speaking, but, uh, that self-talk I think potentially is, is dangerous and something I have to fight against myself. Um, because just because you don't get energy from crowds doesn't mean that you shouldn't interact with other people and love other people. Uh, question number two, doesn't a podcast or making a YouTube video or some of these other things. And I think, uh, this person who brings this up podcast and YouTube is are great examples. Don't those take a lot of time to produce. <laughs> and, and the answer is yes, they do take a lot of time to do, but here's why this works. You post something on Facebook, it is down the marketing river, never to be seen again. But if you do a high quality podcast, those episodes will be around forever. Or if you do a high quality YouTube, 
uh, video, that thing's around forever. Or if you take the time to do a really powerful blog post, that thing is around forever. And I'm speaking to the introverts here who go, I'm not getting on a microphone and I am not getting behind the camera. Great. Take your time to do a really compelling blog post. Thomas, I'm going to use you as an example. Your courtship in crisis blog post was years ago, but my guess is you're still getting hits every single day on that blog post. Yeah, it still gets thousands of visitors. I still get comments about it. I still get questions about it. It continues to affect the conversation. And this actually leads us into our next question. How do you drive people to your blog if you don't notify them on Facebook or Twitter that there's a new post up? <laughs> Which is a great question. Uh, it is interesting. So when I got started, there wasn't really much of a way of Facebook and book marketing. I was one of the only people advocating for it back in the day. Uh, and now... For a lot of people, it's the only thing. It's like, gosh, if I don't use Facebook, I can't use anything. And the reality is, is that once you take Facebook off the table, it forces you to be more creative and to discover the like hundred other ways of getting traffic to your blog. In fact, I actually have a YouTube video uh, and we'll post a link to it in the show notes of 19 ways to boost traffic to your blog. Uh, and a lot of it has to do with excellent blogging. And we'll say, if you're starting from scratch, uh, one of the best things that you can do to promote your blog isn't Facebook. It's actually emailing individually friends to let them know about your blog. I did this with my Courtship and Crisis blog post. I think I emailed a dozen, maybe two dozen friends one-on-one saying, hey, that blog post I've been talking to you about, it's finally live. Here's the link. And it was those initial you know, dozen, two dozen people that were the patient's zero that caused it to spread to a million folks. I also posted it to Facebook. And in those days, Facebook worked better for the spreading of blogs, but I, people hate change. It's so interesting. Cause I remember when Facebook first came out, uh, people were like, Oh, I don't want to use this Facebook. I don't use this Twitter. People were so hostile to it because it was the new thing. And now the new thing is thinking outside of the Facebook box and people are hostile to that. <laughs> so, um, I know change is hard and change is difficult, but change is inevitable. Uh, and it is important to surf the wave of change rather than paddling behind it because paddling behind it is no fun and it's exhausting and surfing is fun. <laughs> so uh, get, get on, get on the board and, and ride with the change. Our final question is about, you know, Oh, it's harder to get organic visibility on Amazon than it was five years ago. And, um, and, and, and this person's asking, how do people know uh, you have a book unless you advertise? And I will say advertising may be actually the answer here. Uh, advertising works really well. And if you were to take half of that time that you're spending on Facebook and work a job and make some money and then spend that money on advertising, especially if advertising on uh, Amazon, you may get a better return than working for free for Facebook. So again, it's all about uh, out. It's not about outrunning the bear. Right. We're not talking about whether Facebook is good or not. We're talking about how Facebook compares to the other hikers. Right. If you're in a group of hikers and there's a bear chasing you, you just have to outrun the slowest hiker to not get eaten. And uh, Facebook is the slowest hiker. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> often and in many cases that said, uh, overrated does not mean useless. So let's get to the actual ways that work based off of our experimentation uh, currently. And we're recording this in December of 2018. So hopefully these things will work uh, for most of 2019. 10 ways that authors can use to promote their books. And the first one is don't use Facebook to promote your books. <laughs> yes, we realize we have just contradicted ourselves. But here's what we mean. When you are using Facebook, have that mentality that it is a party. 
So if you go into a party and you go, oh my gosh, guys, I'm so excited. I just won my fifth Christie award. That's very different than going into the party and going, hey guys, buy my book, buy it now. It just won the uh, Christie award. It's, it's a subtle difference, but it's a major difference at the same time. If your attitude is I'm at a party and I'm seeing my friends and I'm talking about what's going on in my life, that's very different than uh, guys, it's time to sign up for my Amway downline. So when you post, think about in your mind, I'm at a cocktail party or I'm at a Christmas party or I'm just at a gathering at a summer barbecue. How would you interact with those people? How would you talk about your books in that context? Uh, the next way you can use Facebook uh, to promote your book, and this is probably the most uh, classic way, is to use Facebook as an advertising platform. I know Mark Dawson has a popular course called Ads for Authors. Uh, that's all about how to use Facebook. And the power here is that you're able to find a specific kind of person, a very narrow kind of person, and advertise just to that person. So the power of Facebook advertising, especially when you use the power editor, is that you can target, you know, 35-year-old women who like this author and who like this other author uh, and who live in this part of the country and like and who are married, right? Like your ability to target based off of tons of demographic information. So once you know who your ideal reader is, you can target just those people is very powerful, especially if you know who that audience is. If you're the kind of person who's like, my book is for women between the ages of 25 and 85, it's not going to work for you because that's not your, you're paying, you'll be paying too much. Um, that said, this is a technique only for indie authors. Uh, if you're traditionally published, the margins just don't work. We did a whole episode on that. Um, paying for advertising needs to be done by the publisher. So if you're the publisher, you can pay for advertising. If somebody else is the publisher, they're the ones who need to pay for advertising. Uh, the third way to use uh, Facebook to promote your book, and this is probably my favorite hack. This is like the coolest thing, and this has worked for the last five years, and I see this working perpetually into the future, and that is to use it to do market testing. So uh, when I launched the Creative Funding Show, uh, I created several logos for it that I really liked. I liked these logos. I made them. And my friend, Mary DeMuth, was like, oh, Thomas, I can do better. So she made several logos for the show. And her logos were different than the ones that I made. <laughs> and I didn't like them uh, and because they weren't the ones that I made. Uh, but I wanted to know which logos were the most effective. And so what I did was I bought Facebook ads, sending people to creativefundingshow.com. And the purpose of the ads was to see which logo got the most clicks. I wanted to test it. Uh, and I see, I think you see where I'm going here with in terms of book covers and book titles. And wouldn't you know it, Mary's logos outperformed <laughs> my logos. <laughs> and I was able to know that with science. I was like, wow, hers get 35% more clicks based off of these 10,000 people who saw the images. And what's really cool about this is that doing a market test of a book cover or a book title is very cheap. You can often show that cover, that title to tens of thousands of people for 25, 50 bucks. And some of the most successful books ever use this technique to get to their titles. So the most famous example is The 4-Hour Workweek. Uh, Tim, Timothy Ferris had four or five titles. He bought ads. He didn't buy the ads on Facebook. He bought the ads on Google, but it's the same idea um, for all five titles in picked the title that got the most clicks. This is a very inexpensive way of improving all of your marketing. A good title and a good cover makes everything easier. And this is something you can do very well on Facebook because you can test your cover on just your target readers. 
So you figure out who you're targeting. Because let's say you're targeting 50-year-old women. If I like your book cover or don't like your book cover as a 33-year-old man, doesn't matter. It only matters if 50-year-old women like your cover. And so with Facebook, you can find out if your target audience likes your cover. And this brings up a little adjunct to Thomas's point or point number four, point number three, is I see this often on Facebook where someone will put up, hey, here are my two covers. What do you think? Allowing their friends to vote on this. And it seems like, well, this is a great way to do it. And yes, you can get some valuable feedback from that. However, there's a couple of problems with that. Number one, it's not going to be 10,000 people. It's not going to probably even be 5,000 people. It's probably not going to be even 300 people. And so your sample size is a lot lower than if you spent the 25, maybe even 50 bucks for the cover. So yes, it's a little bit of money, but in the long term, because hopefully this book is going to sell for 10, 20 years, it's worth the money spent. Secondly, you don't know the demographics of these, these folks, who they are, whether they're somebody that would actually read your book or if they're somebody that's just giving an opinion. So you have to be real careful of that. Um, so we would encourage you, I guess we're encouraging you not to just, hey, I'm giving this to my friends. What do you guys think? We encourage you to use the testing to actually get the scientific data. And the other challenge with doing it as a poll is that with people are voting in a poll, they pay far more attention than they would if they were in a buying mode. And so you're hearing from their conscious mind rather than from their unconscious mind. And so you can get bad data, right? All of those um, nuances, the tiny details in your book cover that if somebody's just glancing at a page wouldn't notice, somebody voting in a poll might. And when you do a market test on Facebook using Facebook ads, you're actually reaching their kind of subconscious mind because it's competing with all the other noise on Facebook, which in this instance is actually your friend, right? Because you're reproducing the experience somewhat of what it's like to browse through a pile of books on Amazon. So market testing is very, very powerful. I highly recommend it. And it's so cheap. It's one of the most cost-effective tools. All right, Jim, what's the fourth way to use Facebook to promote your book? The fourth way is to organize a launch team. And Facebook groups actually do this really well because you can reach out to people and say, hey, do you want to be part of my launch team? And then very easily create a private group where you can encourage these people and talk to these people and interact with these people and do your little giveaways to these people. And so you're at the party and you're saying to people, hey, I'm going to, I got this book coming out. Anybody want to help me do that? And all these people at the party go, hey, that sounds fun. What's involved? I'd love to do it. You get a chance to interview these people. You get a chance to react to these people. You get a chance to interact on an ongoing basis with these people. And you're going to see your superstars come out. And so Facebook makes it really, really easy, first of all, to attract people for your launch team. And then secondly, to keep them engaged while your book launch is going on. And Facebook groups uh, are nice because everyone already has a Facebook account. So if you're using a, some sort of third-party service for your launch team and you're requiring people to get a username and a password, well, suddenly they don't remember their username. You require eight characters and they thought it was six characters and they can't log in. It's a hassle. Or maybe they can only log in on their computer and they can't log in on their phone. All of that is eliminated when you use Facebook, which is part of the reason why launch teams tend to use Facebook. You can do them through email, but email is too, it's just not the right, it's not the right tool. Um, I'd, I'd actually be interested to see if Facebook continues to be the best launch team tool, but currently Facebook groups are the go-to uh, tool for organizing your launch team. So this is one of those areas where Facebook is still very valid uh, and, and still works really well. All right, Thomas, hit us with uh, number six. 
Okay, so or actually, we're at number five, uh, which is Facebook Live. Uh, now, I will say this doesn't work as well as it used to. When Facebook first launched Facebook Live, they really gave it a boost in the edge rank algorithm, and Facebook Lives did very, very well. And they now um, don't do as well. In fact, they've recently changed the technology uh, on how they work um, when you're doing them from your phone, which is a little unfortunate. Um, but they still work and they can be very fun and very interactive. And I've, I've seen them, I've done, you know, maybe a hundred hours of Facebook live in my lifetime. My radio show was Facebook live. So for several hours every day, I was on Facebook live. So I have a lot of experience with Facebook live and I enjoy it. It it can be fun and it does get a boost as something to do from a page. It's one of the more effective things uh, to do from a page, but still, the best way to tell somebody about your Facebook Live, sadly, is to email them about it. Um, when we do Facebook Lives for novel marketing, uh, we have to email our email list of our listeners because our actual Facebook fans won't ever see our post telling them about the Facebook Live tomorrow <laughs> at 2 o'clock. Um, so that kind of gives you an idea of how Facebook Live is breaking down uh, and is not as powerful as it used to be. But it still can work. And as ways of going live... Um, it's often the best way to do it. If you're targeting a younger audience, uh, YouTube live may be better uh, because younger people tend to be more YouTube people than Facebook people. Uh, but if you're targeting an older audience and by older, I mean probably older than 25 or maybe older than 30, um, Facebook live is probably better. Um, the next one, number six is and create a private group for your hardcore readers. Uh, this can be fun. And in some ways, this is like a launch team. Uh, I will say of all the things that we're recommending this, the one that we do the most regularly for novel marketing, <laughs> we have a novel marketing group. We link to it on our fan page. If you're listening right now, you're welcome to join. Um, it's a private group. So you have to you know, apply, but we let everybody in uh, unless they really <laughs> look like a spammer. Um, and this is a great way to connect with the hardcore fans. And it's really a great place for our fans and our listeners to discuss the episode. And you can hear, if you go back to the Facebook group for the last episode, you can see the back and forth, right? Some people have some opinions, some people have other opinions, and they're discussing it and they're doing it respectfully, I, I feel like. We haven't had too much trouble with, with trolls. Um, but if we did have a problem with trolls, since it's a private group, we can block people and ban people for bad behavior. And there's a lot of powerful tools. So right now, Facebook groups are favored in the algorithm over Facebook pages, especially if you keep those groups small. Uh, the downside of this approach is that it doesn't scale well. The bigger the group gets, the less likely people are to be notified about activity inside of that group. Uh, so again, uh, Facebook wants to be the one making money. <laughs> so uh, anytime you start to um, raise your head, uh, the highest blade of grass gets clipped, so to speak. And uh, the more successful you are on Facebook, the more likely Facebook is to clip you. Uh, but groups can still work. Well, just another thought on that, Thomas. Facebook groups for your hardcore readers might be something you experiment with. In other words, you might have potentially a Facebook group for each of your books. So it's for people that really like this one book. And then there, you might have a group for people who really like you as an author that keeps a little bit smaller. And again, word of mouth is always going to be the best form of advertising. And so you can do some cool things for these small groups, especially for individual books. So it's something, again, Facebook is always changing. We as marketers always have to be changing and adapting and experimenting. And that's an experiment you might, um, might tackle. Number seven, join groups that fit your genre. 
and get active. So um, if you write science fiction, my gosh, there are so many groups that are on Facebook that all are all about people who love to read science fiction. So join that group. One of the groups I'm part of is avid readers of Christian fiction. And so I actually go in there and I comment and I like, and, and so when my book comes up, I can go in there and comment about it and I can thank people for reading my book or hope you enjoy it. It's, it's a really easy way to touch people because a lot of times they've done the work and that really leads into point number eight. And that is make sure you've set up alerts so that when somebody mentions you or your novels, you can go in and interact with them. It's a party, right? And so you're going up to that person at the party you overheard talking about your book and go up, hey, it's really nice to meet you. Thank you so much. I'm thrilled that you like my book. And that creates more interaction. As you know, if there's a lot of activity on something on Facebook, that's going to go to the top of the feed. That's going to get more attention. And so simply by going in and interacting and loving something or liking something or commenting on something, you can make yourself more prominent in that group. And you will find that readers are like, oh my gosh, the author is actually commenting on this. Thank you so much. They're thrilled when you do it. And you haven't done any of the work. You're simply active in that group. So they recognize your name and they're more likely to mention your book um, if they like it, if they know you, if they already, you've been to the same parties for a number of times, they're more likely to come up to you to use the party analogy. But be careful. You don't want to overdo this. Um, you don't want to, you know, drown out the f little flame by blowing on it too hard. <laughs> you, want, you want to blow just enough. And also this can become very exhausting. So you'll notice big time authors don't do this. Uh, this is typically more done by beginning authors who are just getting started. Uh, so you'll want to find that healthy balance and uh, you'll just have to kind of pay attention um, to see when you're doing it too much. Uh, um, so the next point is every now and again, ask readers to follow your blog or join your newsletter. Uh, you can explain to them carefully what's going on with Facebook. To Thomas's point before, you don't want to be obnoxious. You don't, don't want to be over top. You don't want to be coming all the time. You can just something as, as simple as likes. And in the same way, you don't want to overblow this, but you can ask readers, hey, FYI, don't know if you knew this, but I've got a blog. Love to have you sign up. Or I've got a newsletter to keep up on what's going on with me. For example, if somebody mentions one of my books and just raves about it and there's lots of comments on it, I might say, hey, to keep in touch with me, if you feel like doing it, here's a link to my newsletter. Something simple like that. Don't go overblown with it. Um, and you can explain to them carefully what's going on on Facebook. And what we mean by that is you don't want to be calling out Facebook going, Facebook's algorithms are shutting me down as an author and this is horrible and all this kind of thing. You can just say, hey, there's a lot of activity going on on Facebook and it, it's it's real easy to miss, miss updates. So if you want to make sure you get updated on my latest book or what's going on with me, here's a real simple way to do it. Yeah. And it, what's sad is that when you mention your newsletter, your blog if you post a link to your newsletter or blog, almost no one will see it. So it's almost better to mention that it exists rather than telling people how to get there. It's kind of a catch-22. Again, this is one of those areas where Facebook just doesn't work as well as it used to. But why not, right? If you're getting a lot of comments on a popular blog post, you can say, hey, I'm getting a lot of comments on a popular blog post. And then they'll go to Google and they'll get to your blog that way, hopefully. Um, so, And that can be a way of, of getting people to be curious 
And and hey, you know, you might as well post a link to your blog. Uh, not many people will see it, but some will, and some is better than none. And posting it is not too much effort. Uh, although I'll say I sometimes don't get around to posting it uh, because I, I see how little of an impact uh, it. In fact. Uh, the post of our podcast episodes to Facebook is now automatic <laughs> because I, I would forget for 10 episodes. Sometimes I wouldn't post a link to the episode on Facebook and no one ever noticed because no one ever saw it. Even when I did, it was very discouraging. All right. Final one is to announce your book launches, uh, which, you know, it won't do much, but why not? <laughs> it will do something and every sale counts. And, um, you know, and you want to announce your book launches not just on your personal page, and but also on your author page, uh, and any other kind of book news. You can post it, and you know, and you will get something. And something is better than nothing. So those are our ten ways of uh, promoting your book on Facebook. Facebook can still be used. Uh, I'm sorry if we ruffled anyone's feathers in our last episode <laughs> ragging on Facebook, but. The waves of the winds of change are ever a blowing and the things that work last year don't work as well this year. And the more people do something, the less that thing is useful as a general rule. And I guess overall, what we're saying is the principle that if you're doing A, you're not doing B. And B might might be a better thing to do today, whereas two years ago, A was the better thing to do. So just evaluate it. Look at all your opportunities and it comes down to our ROI. What is going to be the best investment of your time? All right. Our featured patron today is Women of the Bible, the Victorious, the Victims, the Virtuous, and the Vicious by Peter DeHaan. Heal from broken relationship patterns so you can choose safer friends. Uh, Peter, thank you for being a patron of the Novel Marketing Podcast. Uh, Our patrons don't just get discounts on our courses, but they also get exclusive Q&A episodes. You can find out more at novelmarketing.com. And speaking of our courses, uh, this episode is brought to you by the five-year plan to becoming a best-selling author. You have three weeks before the price goes up. So if you want to learn uh, how to become a best-selling author, this is a course we highly recommend. It's been uh, selling. We have a lot of people who are getting in uh, before the last helicopter leaves uh, from Vietnam, so to speak. Uh, You can find out more about that at novelmarketing.com forward slash courses. Okay, Thomas, you have learned uh, something technologically. You had an epiphany um, about a crying baby. You want to tell us about that? That's true. So I've been dealing with crying babies more uh, in the last few weeks than in the rest of my life put together (laughs) because of new baby Mercy. And I realized something. uh, When Mercy cries, it's her way of communicating that something is wrong. It's in many ways like a computer being broken. Right, so if you're dealing with or some technological thing and think about what you do with a crying baby, you uh, you isolate the various things that could be causing the baby to cry and to see if that's the problem or not. So is the baby hungry? So you test to see if the baby's hungry. If that works, then you're done. The baby's not hungry. It's like, oh, maybe the baby's diapers is dirty. Maybe the baby's uh, tired or maybe something else is bothering the baby. And you try each thing one at a time. You don't try everything all at once. Uh which is, you know, impossible. It's hard. I mean, I guess you could try to put a bottle in the baby's mouth while you're changing the diaper or something. Um, but that's not how it's done. And troubleshooting computers is the same way, right? You try one thing. It's like, oh, it's not, is it the cable? No, it's not the cable. Is it, you know, the internet? It's not the internet. You isolate each individual thing to figure out 
what's broken. And a lot of people are, are intimidated by troubleshooting a computer. And yet that thought process they've done maybe a million times with a small child at one point in their life or the other. So if you're a computer by, intimidated by technology, just think of your computer like a crying baby and maybe it'll make it a little <laughs> bit easier. <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. Hey, Thomas, are you starting to, we're in December now. We're, we're screeching. We're screaming toward the midpoint of December. Are you thinking 2019 goals at this point? Um, I, I should be, uh, we should probably do an episode about goals on, on 2019. I have not been thinking about it uh, too much. I have a new, uh, side hustle or I'm, I'm working as a literary agent now, uh, with the Steve lobby agency. I don't think I've announced that on the podcast. Have you not? This may be the first time. Surprise! I'm a literary agent. Oh my gosh. Um, and I'm specifically looking for nonfiction, Christian nonfiction. Uh, that's the kind of um, books that I'm representing. Uh, so I'm not doing novels. I'm not doing fiction, sadly, but I am doing nonfiction. So if you have a Christian nonfiction book and you have a proposal, hey, uh, you can. I'd be happy to take a look at it. You can find the guidelines at stevelobby.com. Uh, <laughs> so... Uh, I'm, I'm still doing the book table. We're still doing novel marketing. We're launching a new podcast actually with the agency. And, and if, I think maybe in the next episode, actually, we'll share an episode from that podcast. If any of you want to check it out now, it's the Christian Publishing Show. And it's going to be more about the publishing process and the writing process. Uh, but we'll talk about marketing there some, but most of the marketing talk is going to be, it's going to stay here at the Novel Marketing Podcast. Uh, how about Jim? How about you? What are some of your goals for 2019? Well, actually, I'm reading a book uh, because to accomplish goals, it, you have to establish habits, right? We're great at making these goals, a lot of people, but I'm not sure the statistic is it like 80% of resolutions are broken by, you know, January 31st. Um, and so really I'm looking at, my goals for 2019 in a very scientific way saying, all right, I've got these great goals, but it breaks down at the habit stage. And Mary DeMuth recommended this book, Atomic Habits, and I've just started it. And by that, I'm, uh, I think I'm almost through the introduction in chapter one and already I am absolutely loving it. So I'm actually looking forward to reporting in two or three months on how that's working for me. Yeah, and we can all hold you accountable. We can have you post what your habits are on the on the <laughs> podcast and uh, hold you accountable to if, if you get them done. If you have some uh, habits or some goals for 2019, feel free to post them in the Facebook group for this episode. Uh, we have the you know, go to the Facebook group, and um, we always have an official discussion, and we pretty much always have a discussion every episode. It's the extended version, and we would love to see you there. You've been listening to James L. Rubart and Thomas Homestead Jr. on the Novel Marketing Podcast, giving you innovative ideas on how to promote yourself and your writing offline, online, and everywhere in between. Thank you so much for listening.